For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Ike to Gone. What's up, everybody? Ike Feldman here from IkeTagon.com. Thank you guys for all the feedback, the downloads, the subscriptions. The likes, the retweets, the the hearts. Thank you guys for all that. Happy birthday to everybody that celebrated a quarantine birthday. I commend you on that. My birthday's in February. I got to go play ping pong and go play pool with my brothers and drink like an idiot. But uh, it, I'm sure it's got to be awkward. But just try to make the best of it. And uh, I salute you guys. I also salute... And hope that everybody is safe, happy, and healthy. And whatever you're trying to express to the world, I hope it's safely. And I hope it is something that isn't causing harm to others. Again, just do what makes you happy. Express what you have to. Just as long as you're doing it in a healthy, respectable, and honorable way. My mother always says this. And it's obviously a a known saying. She didn't coin the term. She didn't coin the term, coin the term either. But the term or phrase, the pen is mightier than the sword. Each year and every new good or bad experience, I'm learning more about how to express and communicate Uh, my thoughts and feelings a lot more fluently and coherently and with less aggression because where I'm from and how I grew up, you do things with right-hand Randy and left-hand Larry. And maybe that's a little caveman-like and you can't always bench press or knock your problems out. Sometimes you got to express it with emails and pens and words and conference calls and verbal communication, which I am getting better at. So the pen is mightier than the sword, as I'm learning. But the UFC fighters have to realize that. And I think they are for themselves. I think they're realizing that if they want change personally or unilaterally, I hope that word fits there, if they want change, they need to use the pen and not the sword. And this comes from people who put everything on the line and sacrifice tooth and limb to make a living for their family and change their futures. But when you see John Jones, Jorge Masvidal, Henry Cejudo, Conor McGregor, 
at the same time, like all the moons came together and shifted together and they all want their money. They all want to get paid at the same time. It kind of caught Dana on its heels, especially that he's put out a lot of fires with government officials and ESPN officials to get the UFC back and make fighting great again. <laughs> and it caught him on his heels because all these fighters are coming at him at the same time to ask for money and ask for what they deserve. And I just hope the fighters can be smart. They are smart, but can they express themselves in an intelligent way and not bash their head on the wall, figuratively speaking, I hope, and not kick down Dana White's office, figuratively, I really hope, and grab a hold of Dana White, figuratively, I hope, and express themselves that it's time to get paid. Why is Deontay Wilder getting paid more money than John Jones when John Jones brought in more pay-per-view buys than Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, the rematch? John Jones wants at least half of what Wilder's getting, which is $15, $20 million plus. Hey, he's spoiled. What is he doing? Hey, he's fighting three times a year. Hey, he's doing a more dangerous sport than boxing. Or there's the potential danger is a lot worse. There is a whole argument why MMA is safer than boxing especially because of leg kicks and takedowns and jiu-jitsu and blood chokes, which have nothing to do with head trauma or concussions, but that's neither here or there. That's a different discussion. John Jones, Conor McGregor, who has been paid a ton. Henry Cejudo, two-time Olympic champion, two-division UFC champion. Jorge Masvidal, 2019 UFC Fighter of the Year. Who else is there that's not happy, that's disgruntled? Obviously, Nate Diaz has always been uh, disrespected by the UFC, but it is disrespect. And the UFC and WME and IMG and Ari Emanuel need to show the fighters more respect. And in my opinion, this is a win-win situation for the fighters, and all fighters, in, in my opinion. Those four guys, Cejudo, Masvidal, John Jones, and... So who do uh, Conor McGregor? How to forget Conor? Them all getting paid. Obviously, those are all pay-per-view fighters. By them getting paid, the money trickles down to the other fighters in the card. And with all Conor McGregor's success, fighter pay has been increased. The UFC's company was sold to a more legitimate company who can handle demands and promotion internationally in WME and IMG which is, I believe, the biggest sports agency in the world. They better be if they're shelling out $4 billion for a, a fight organization. But Conor McGregor also brought the UFC, not on his own, but he really, really helped in bringing the UFC to ESPN. And the original contract for UFC on ESPN was five years, $1.5 billion. The UFC and ESPN eventually renegotiated to add two more years. So if the math continues, it's about $2 billion for seven years of broadcast rights. Uh, and I think that maybe shared advertisings, maybe the UFC handles all the gate. I'm sure there's some deal. But the people who are getting the shaft in this deal are the fighters. 18% for revenue 
that the finders are receiving from the overall revenue is bad. It's really bad. It's extremely disrespectful, especially when you see hockey, NBA, MLB, NFL get paid north of 40%, 45%, some leagues 51%, the players, because they realize the leagues, the games, the money can't flow if there's no excellent players. Go watch Canadian football and tell me you don't need the players. You need Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. You need the players to make the league. So pay these guys more than 15, 17, 18%. Make it 30%, 40% as a starting point. And I don't want to hear that there's money that the public isn't seeing. That's that's not good either. That's under the table. You're keeping keeping certain elite fighters happy. And I believe they're, this is Dana White's model to keep everything incentive-based. If you hang bonuses over the top of these fighters and fight bonuses and show bonus is not the same as a win bonus, it should be a total what you make for showing up in the cage. You're going to fight. You're going to try your hardest regardless. If you don't, you don't deserve to be in the UFC. So incentives for these guys is just ridiculous. The incentive is to win and stay alive and be the best fighter you can and make Conor McGregor, John Jones, Khabib Nurmagomedov type of money, Floyd Mayweather type of money, Canelo Alvarez type of money. So things need to change. And I talk about that and a lot more with my boys, Andy Sukoff and my other boy, James Corrigan, who is not a New York native, I thought he was, and I prefaced the interview uh, or the roundtable discussion as if he was a New York guy, but my apologies, uh, he is a Jersey guy, I respect you too, Jersey, so we had a tri-state thing going on, Andy from Connecticut, your boy from New York, James from New Jersey, so I hope you guys enjoy it. What's up, everybody? We're back talking... MMA and the Octagon. Obviously, I say MMA, but we all know it's mostly UFC talk. We are joined by the new do James Corrigan. No more beard. The beard is somewhere in the New York sewage system. But oh, James New Corrigan, oh, New, New Jersey, Jersey sewage system. But you look fantastic, James. Great to have you back. Andy Sukoff, a good friend of mine. Uh, we, we should get after it on the softball field. Eventually that's for a story for a different day, but Andy, as, uh, if people don't know, you are a huge advocate and a huge fan of MMA and I appreciate you uh, for joining me on the Itagon, man. This is, this is exciting. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the invite. Thank you, man. No problem. And, uh, all transparency, uh, Andy is multitasking. So, Andy, at any point, if you can't hear half a question or you can't fully answer something comfortably, just throw it back to us, man. Me and James always have a lot to say. So. All right. And we'll, we will be joined by a fourth member, Brian Fonseca. Hopefully, I'll, I'll be reaching out to him uh, possibly in the next 10 or 15 minutes while we're recording. But, boys, what's new? What's, what's on your mind? I haven't seen the Bruce Lee documentary, Be Water, oh, on ESPN+. Plus. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's a bad look, especially for guys doing an MMA podcast. But. Hey, you're, you, call, you call yourself a fight fan, <laughs> and, you haven't watched, and you haven't watched the Bruce Lee doc yet. Can you guys sure. give me a synopsis without uh, spoiling anything that's like, like truly special about it? Uh, the synopsis is that Bruce Lee – was a badass who changed the perception of Asian people in Hollywood and in America and set off the Kung Fu craze that 
eventually became a catalyst for MMA today. I think I would put him as one of the two, one of the main founding fathers of mixed martial arts. You got, uh, you, know, you got Antonio Inoki in that mix, although he was a pro wrestler. You've got, uh, obviously the Gracie family, you've got, you, I would even put a guy like Minoru Suzuki in that mix, the king of Pankresh, uh, one of the first shoot fighting, major shoot fighting promotions in Japan, but Bruce Lee is right there. And I, I, I looked at it like the way he, in, think about the people he influenced, where he, he did a movie with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, had Chuck Norris in, I forgot which movie was it, that, he, that they did their fight scene, but then they, during commercials, they would cut to various athletes talking about how Bruce Lee impacted their lives. Guys like Kyler Murray and, you know, modern day athletes that Bruce Lee's been dead 45 years, but his, his legacy is still felt all this time later. Can you guys still dig in and watch a Bruce Lee movie today and like not just do it to be cool and tweet about something, but can you actually like tune in and say like, man, this, this is still entertaining? Well, there's some corny stuff. I'm not going to lie, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think Enter the Dragons on Netflix. I, wa I watched that one night at work because it was like three in the morning. And it's like, well, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> if it fits into your time slot at three in the morning, that's, that, that's it, perfect. It, but still, the, the fight scenes are still pretty entertaining. Yeah, uh, a lot of people, I mean, Dana White, now this came out when they were trying to sell Bruce Lee as an unlockable character for UFC 1 on ESPN. Dana White's like, yeah, if you don't, I think he's wearing like a Bruce Lee shirt while he's like promoting the char unlockable character on EA Sports UFC. And he was saying what uh, everybody's saying, I, I hope he believes it all, but he was saying that Bruce Lee is the founding father of mixed martial arts. And I don't know how much film he watched, but some fighters will even say that he's incorporating arm bars. He's got like the smaller gloves with fingers shown. So now that you guys seen the documentary, I hope they made some tie to modern day martial arts and in particular mixed martial arts. Can you guys say that he is like the, on the Mount Rushmore well, of mixed martial arts? Well, they didn't really make that direct comparison in the movie to modern mixed martial arts, but as I just alluded to, yes, absolutely, I would, uh, I would say that. Yeah, as would I, because he, he took multiple different forms of martial arts that he had learned over his life and incorporated them into everything he did, as well as opened his own studio. So, he, so he's, got that, he's got that pedigree. And he's been a pioneer and dealt with a lot of crap from what I've seen in the, the movies and the speeches and his open seminars to, to show off some of his moves or present his style. Who would you guys say in modern day mixed martial arts go from 1993, 1995, 1997? However, in the last 20, 30 years, who would you say is the closest to Bruce Lee nowadays? In terms of the martial popularity arts. or influence yeah. in in whatever shaping influence, what we know is MMA? Whatever you got out of the documentary, who, like, could you just pick up that Bruce Lee brain and put into a, a modern-day fighter's brain and say, like, ah, oh, this is the, the new embodiment of, of a Bruce Lee, just well, martial artist-wise? From a cultural standpoint, from a popularity standpoint, is no one. Nobody, come, nobody comes close. Wow. From a fighting standpoint, from a standpoint of really buying into being water and, you know, being as being smooth like the water, but also as powerful. Israel Adesanya. Oh, wow. Uh, Good call. 
has got to be the closest embodiment in terms of the fighting good style call. Good call. of Bruce Lee. When it comes to cultural impact, there's nobody. And when it comes to influence on modern MMA, it's Hoist Gracie. Wow. Yeah, that's I mean, uh, Hoist Gracie is like the gold standard of what, what of what MMA as we see it now is. Like that's a that's the perfect answer. Well, I'm gonna one up James on the Israel Adesanya front. I, I agree with the Hoist Gracie uh, the, the comparison. Anderson Silva, right? Isn't that the Israel Adesanya who he wants to be? He wore the yellow and black shorts. He was very playful in the in like the craziest situations. So. Yeah, but give me a point on that. If if we have like a round the horn type of thing, I'll take the. (laughs) Oh, but what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? Mentality wise, Anderson Silva wasn't always there, but (laughs) that's true. Skill wise, certainly you could make that comparison. If Israel Adesanya, if he beats Paulo Costa somehow in the fall on Fight Island or however they do it. And then he beats John Jones in Vegas, Raiders Stadium, summer 2021. He pulls off the it, it, impossible. Is Israel Adesanya not only surpassing Bruce, uh, excuse me, excuse me, Freudian, oh, wow. Freudian slip, Freudian slip. Is he not only passing Anderson Silva, but is he in that Conor McGregor realm of skill, popularity, and leverage? In terms of pop, I mean, we, we, we'll see about popularity. Skill, probably. Uh, but we are mixed martial arts fans in the mixed martial arts community. We are very quick to dub somebody the greatest of all time. <laughs> Max Holloway, like, made three de- like two defenses of his championship, and he was oh, he's the greatest featherweight of all time. Joe Rogan pissed me off so much. Other than the guy who defended his title through two promotions, through eight years without a loss, and beat everybody, you know, everybody and their mother. Oh is the greatest of all time when they become now people always Volkanovsky the greatest Byron Woodley we're gonna Ike you're the you're the (laughs) biggest culprit on that okay Byron Woodley oh he's the second only to GSP well there are major holes in his resume and in his fight game but I I, even though I'll say this it's still a young enough sport where the greatest of all time. There is no true like dominant Michael Jordan type in most weight classes. But right. yeah, if, if Israel keeps going the way he is, I mean, he's going to be the greatest. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. If you look at the like, you look at the, and because of the fact that any like most combat sports, you have so many different weight classes. There's there's a go for every class. Like a guy like GSP, and then like like Mighty Mouse for. He, he defended his title forever and ever. Then he gets traded for Ben Askren. Nobody ever hears from him again. Good point. Good point. Well, he, he has not lost yet in one. Uh, Did you guys hear Henry Cejudo on with Rogan? I actually didn't. I, I didn't like you with Bruce Lee. <laughs> Joe Rogan, Bruce Lee, no comparison, man. You got to make time for Rogan. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I did see Henry Cejudo a couple weeks back on uh, AEW Dynamite backing up Mike Tyson in his uh, brawl with Chris Jericho, he and Rashad Evans, and uh, I think it was at least one other MMA guy there. But, yeah, he was in the mix. He, he mentioned uh, AEW to Rogan, and Rogan just was like, huh, like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, is that, what is that? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I know it's a, 
it's like a division down of WWE, but I was like, that's totally over. Well, that itself, that itself is arguable. You could argue that WWE is a division down from AEW at this Ooh. point. But that's that's a different. That's a one for another show, which okay. I'd be I'd happy to do. But I'll, I'll have to do more research. But then the, let's stick with the two things, James, that you brought up. Because, like you said, Max is all of a sudden dubbed the greatest of all time. You mentioned uh, Jose Aldo. And then I'll throw in the, the, the third wheel to that. Conor McGregor, he beat both of them. Obviously, Holloway was young, but he didn't lose in the featherweight division. He knocked out Aldo in 13 seconds. I'll, uh, took uh, uh, Holloway into the third round the first time, the second round, or third round, the second well, Holloway time. Holloway took him to a decision. That's fair, too, as a 20-year-old Holloway. So who is the greatest featherweight of all time? And then we'll, we'll get into Tyron Woodley next. But uh, uh, let's start. Jose Andy. Aldo is. Yes, Jose, Aldo. Jose Aldo. Wow. Okay. And it's, and it's even more amazing because we now see Jose Aldo making 135 at his age with ease, which means that not only was he the greatest featherweight of all time, but this whole time – he may not have been fighting at his natural weight class to even begin with. Yeah, I heard for UFC 245 against Marlon Marais, that was the first time he incorporated a nutritionist. It's like, damn. The, the, the thing, I, I don't know if either of you guys have ever heard of the website, whatifsports.com, where you can pick the website, you can, you can take historic teams of any era and face them off against each other. So as an example, you could take the 1927 New York Yankees, okay. put them up against the 2004 Red Sox, see who would win. In this instance, if Jose Aldo could have done 135, prime Aldo versus prime Dominic Cruz before all the knee injuries, probably would have been a fun fight to watch. Wow. That would have been yeah. for the greatest uh, bantamweight of all time. A couple of years yeah. ago, they were rumoring the uh, Cruz going up to 45. But all right, all right. I'll... Well, speaking of the greatest of all time. You guys convinced uh, me on Aldo. Can, speaking of the greatest of all time, we can uh, talk about someone who there is no debate about and that's Amanda Nunez thank you I think she's at minimum top five top four uh male or female wow well I'm going Anderson one GSP Jones Gracie and Connor they're the same person because they're like such pioneers and then I gotta go Nunez four and then Gracie and Connor five or six I don't know. I think we're ways away from judging an entire career, but in terms of who she's beaten, it's it's unbelievable. It's really a, a there's it's gotten to the point where there's no one left unless Valentina moves up again and Nunez fights again at one thirty five. There's just no there is nobody who can stand in here, and Felicia Spencer was the is the perfect example. Spencer comes in after you know fighting cyborg tough and there's just no chance yeah i i don't like the shevchenko fight everybody's pushing for it let Zhang and shevchenko work something out uh nunez is about to have a kid nina ansarov's hitting pads in the ufc countdown and she looks like she's uh, about to pop i'm like take it easy girl no roundhouses so let nunez take a lot of time off maybe even end of 2020 maybe in a year maybe like just she's done everything wait for a new contender to develop what's your thoughts on uh amanda nunez andy well i mean after watching that fight on saturday it's like she she dominated from start to finish i i thought that police suspension corner was going to throw the towel in after the fourth round when they when they let her out for the fifth i couldn't my jaw almost hit the floor i, I was i was shocked 
I give her a lot of credit for staying in there for 25 minutes and taking that kind of beating because I, I know I couldn't, but I mean, she, oh, yeah. she's got, she, she's dominated two divisions in the span of the last four and a half years, taking down a huge list of, of stars in both divisions that what, what does she have left to prove right now? I will say this about uh, the fight. It was not as bad of a non-stoppage. Not nearly as bad of a non-stoppage as Kobe Teixeira versus Anthony Smith. Like Spencer was taking shots, uh, but she was never hurt. And honestly, in the fifth round, she probably took the fewest shots that she took the entire fight. I think Nunes actually realized that she that you know that she was up and that she didn't really I want to give deliver that much punishment. So she took her down at least twice in that fifth round, uh, which she of course could do with ease. But you know it could have been stopped, but it's not that crazy to me that it wasn't you guys so are we all uh in agreement that just takes some time off? or james you're kind of pushing for the shevchenko fight you, you can do it i mean she could take time off uh obviously her and nina and so are about to have the baby is uh as as you alluded to uh but you know you also want to make money you're not exactly exerting yourself very much in the octagon <laughs> You bring up a great point, though, about the money, man. Can they make UFC 250 free? I understand 249. That was literally stacked from start to end, and it's not huge marketable fighters. You make it just 250, make it free on ESPN, man. Like, it's just – there's nothing oh. else to do. You can just – 700,000 people is the rumor that paid for 249. That could have been probably 10 million viewers. I'm saying – I'm sure if it's free, if there's nothing else on, if it's free and just dude, the fights mm. kept going and going and going, everything got better and better and better. Like that's, well, that's how moment cowboy versus Pettis was on the end of the ESPN card. Francis and Ghana was the start of the pay-per-view. Well, this, uh, unfortunately is a great lead into the financial situation with Conor McGregor and Jorge Masvidal because UFC gets that flat fee from ESPN with every pay-per-view they get, whether it's, whether the main event is Connor versus Khabib or whether the main event is Nunez versus Felicia Spencer, they get the same flat rate, which now means that there is no financial incentive for them to pay Connor McGregor what he's worth or Jorge Masvidal what he is worth or others. And, you know, you look at John Jones, although he's probably not worth as much as he's, demanding it's ridiculous 30 million dollars but that's a different story but that is something that is going to have an effect uh whether or not we see connor fight again whether or not we see masvidal fight again whether or not we see nate diaz fight again he in my mind nate diaz is the third biggest draw in the entire ufc well, well. I, 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 I've, I've always thought it's like if a, if one of the lower end guys complains about pay. No, nobody cares. Just yeah. like, okay. oh, I don't want to say nobody cares. It's like, okay, who are you? When, when John Jones says, hey, I'm not getting paid what I feel like I should be making, or when your top drawers are complaining, that's when the higher ups start to pay attention because they don't want to lose their cash cows because they know that those are the guys that draw numbers, draw advertisers, and ultimately make the higher ups money. 
and then the well-spoken Dana White has all the access to all the platforms going on first take, man, and saying, well, they signed a six-fight and a seven-fight contract. You're telling me we haven't heard Conor McGregor retalk or renegotiate contracts after 189, after 194, uh, 196. The UFC thought they had the leverage, but McGregor was saying, I've been doing all your guys' media. He goes, I'm not going to be your cherry at UFC 200. It's going to be on my terms. I feel that the the fighters are feeling that they have a little more leverage, and they have. It's like that, but they haven't been unionized, uh, in, in your opinion. And you kind of were saying earlier, James, that you you don't know if Conor McGregor has been paid what he's owed. I don't think they want to pay him what he is owed right now. Well, they How would want to asking? pay him. They would want to pay him if they were getting something out of it. So if the UFC was still distributing their own pay per views. They would have, they would pay Connor what he's worth because they know that they would reap the benefits with the higher buy rate, and same for all the others. But now that they don't reap the benefits, they don't reap that higher buy rate for Connor because they get that flat fee for every pay per view. They have no incentive. ESPN is the entity that should have the incentive to pay these fighters, but I don't think they really know it yet. In terms of what he's asking for, God only knows. Probably got to be fifty million, or somewhere in that range, forty to fifty million. You know, it's it's ridiculous, but it's insane. But he he garners that kind of attention. Two point four million buys with Khabib. That's Floyd Mayweather. And what about you, Andy? What what do you make of yeah, all this chaos? I mean, it. it it, it will come to a point where it'll come to a head where you, I think we will eventually see the fighters unionize. At least, if, if not the biggest guys, at least the rank and file. So that way they can, they can get more per fight. Right? Like we were talking about it last week, you know, a guy gets paid 20 grand to show up. You know, that's it's really not a lot of money. Then, unless you're fighting four or five times a year where then, you know, it starts to add up, add up. But you know, for like a one one time, it's really really not much you can do with that. Yeah, I think the model's broke. It's like, I thank you for the the people who laid down the groundwork. I talked to like Pete Sell, Long Island's own, and he trains under the Ray Longo and Matt Sauer team. But he was like, yeah, his first fight at UFC was three thousand. He was just happy to pay rent for like a month, maybe two, and he was bartending. Uh, not a bartender. He was a bouncer on the side. He would kill me if he heard that he was the bartender. <laughs> um, but 20 and 20 it, nowadays is not enough, man. I, I need at least 50, 75, 80. And I talked to a casual fan uh, who's an average, avid other sport fan. And he's like, he's like, what, $80,000 for one night to fight? He goes, they should be happy for that. And I go, no. I go, do you know how much training and sparring and wrestling and pressure goes into this yeah you're sure you're training full-time you're paying your coaches exactly you're paying for health insurance uh you're you know and you're paying for everything else so you you hit the nail right on the head in terms of taxes in in any state that you're fighting so you got that you got that too yeah and uh you know the kung lee lawsuit you know is still is still pending so we're Depending on what decision is made in that, that could be a uh, a big a big moment in terms of fighter equity in the UFC if and when that were if that decision were to come down. So, 
Now, um, you mentioned earlier about uh, Connor's big draw against Khabib and the 2.4 million. I was trying to see what side of the fence you guys lie on. Do you think this could be like the NFL? I mean, how many billions of dollars does the NFL bring to the overall revenue? Say it's $10 billion a year. Uh, how are they getting all this money? Is it from the commercials? Is it from uh, sponsorships? Like, why can't MMA be free? Why does it have to be behind, be behind a paywall? I guarantee because you a Conor McGregor fight will show you that the, the system's broken. They, he because could, people are willing to pay. That's what all it is. People are willing to pay because you're willing that's to pay. short-sighted, though. I think it's like, oh, we can actually – we get the cha- money now, but it's like if you showed people Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson, man, or the fight before Henry Cejudo, oh, yeah. it's like then you get new fans. Title I fights have been on television. Title fights have been on television for Yeah, uh, Demetrius Johnson. <laughs> Demetrius Johnson. Uh, well, the first UFC on Fox in history was King Velasquez, Junior yeah. Dos Santos, and it did a huge rating, but a lot of that was a curiosity – uh, rating that being the first MMA fight in history on broadcast uh, network television. Uh, UFC is is a and not just UFC, individual sports like MMA, boxing, golf, tennis, uh, you name it. It's character driven. It's person driven. When you've got the NFL, it's a built in. Did, did you just team. say golf? Golf is character driven. Tiger Woods, people watched. Yeah, but, but I don't know. Personality Tiger Woods, wise, people watched. On. People watched Tiger. And he was excellent at his driven. job. He it's was not, excellent. No, that's part of the character. He was cold-blooded. He was clutch. That's Amanda part of Nunes is the same way. She's clutch, cold-blooded, but she's not marketable. That's it. That's it was, it's character. I, I look at it like football's been around for, for over 100, 100 years at this point. So that's been passed down generation to generation. UFC is still kind of in its, like that middle ground between first and second generation of fans, where maybe as time goes, it'll start to pick up where they get that big TV contract that like the NFL or MLB has that's in the billions, where they get all the, get all the biggest sponsors. But at the moment, they're not there yet because they don't, they don't, have, that, they don't have that staying power that the big four do. Team sports, it's built in. You have built-in fans. You have built-in interest because of the team concept. You don't have that in individual sports, which is why it's so dependent on the marketability of certain individuals like Floyd Mayweather, like Manny Pacquiao, like Conor McGregor. So at the end of the day, are you guys – are you just happy if John Jones, Masvidal, Connor, uh, Cejudo, if they just get their money and they're paid more, so essentially it trickles down? Or do you want something a little more? I, I want. I would be satisfied with the fighter union. So which side of the fence are you are? Like pay the elite, make the peasants like the Sean O'Malley have to crawl up to the top and take everything they work for and turn it into millions of dollars or should it just be a union and Sean O'Malley's fight that just happened I think he's on the contender series contract he should have got two hundred thousand dollars for that last knockout Sean O'Malley certainly didn't look like a peasant the other night that's uh that's for certain two years that's what Dana White feels that's how Dana White feels if we keep it incentive based we will get the the true hungry champions and I'm like I go I mean you can do both you can take care of guys while still giving them that incentive and paying the top guys 
what they are worth. Because as you mentioned, it does trickle down. The revenue that guys like Conor McGregor bring in yep. are, are massive, are, are massive enough that you are able to take care of others. UFC only pays 20% of its revenue to fighters. Think about that. I didn't even bring that up. Like, isn't that screwed up, Andy? Like, I mean, or... a lot of a lot of other sports. I, I'm a big hockey fan, so I've seen I've watched them lock out multiple times, and it sucks. But a lot of that comes over with revenue sharing, and it usually winds up. It's been in the past like a 48-52 split. It went to 50-50. I think it's a 51-49 now, where the players right. get 51 percent of of revenue. So maybe the maybe the UFC hat can find a way to get a bigger split of revenue sharing, like like you said, it was like twenty percent now. Even if they go to let's let's call it thirty five, just I'm gonna, I'll throw a number out there. Double, maybe, yeah. Like like maybe maybe that incentivizes more people to uh, at the higher level to make sure that the fighters get paid what they need to, and they get to they get to reap in in the extra benefits of getting those extra contracts. Do you guys think? So I think there's six, five and a, exactly now, five and a half years left on the UFC and ESPN contract. Will Dana White ride this whole, will he be on the, the, the driver's seat the whole way? Or will we see like a Roger Goodell or an Adam Silver uh, type of uh, commissioner presence be at the forefront of oh, the it's US Dana. President. It's you, Dana. It's it's all Dana because Dana is not just the president. No, it's not just Dana is not just the president. There's a reason why WME IMG kept Dana White around after they had purchased the company. After Dana White got 10% of that 4.2 billion dollars, <laughs> he has no Dana White has no financial incentive to be in the UFC anymore. But WME kept him around because he is not just a president. He is the mouthpiece. He is as much of a promotional tool as any fighter in the UFC. He is so valuable to that brand as a figurehead that it's, there's no chance. You can't say the same for any other commissioner in any other sport. Wow. And I, like, like people like in the big four, everybody hates the commissioner. People hate Gary Bevin. They hate Roger Goodell, hate Rob Manfred, especially with what's going on right now where the MLB and the MLBPA can't get, get their everything together. People at least seem to like Dana White. Maybe people, he may not always say the, the best thing or the right thing at the right time, but it's whatever he's doing so far seems to have worked thus far into the ESPN deal. Well, people hate Dana White too, but they pay attention. That's true. He is the face of UFC. Yes. Uh, like it's not con like the fact when he's uh, and i appreciate the the gamesmanship on connor's part to put out that tweet like five ten minutes before dana white's got to go to the media like you guys see the documentary with uh the notorious one um on uh netflix conor mcgregor documentary uh, I, I, saw, oh, yeah, I, saw, yeah, I, I saw like the first few minutes of it and there's a scene where you guys remember dave Scholler, the guy who was separating nate diaz and conor mcgregor in the cage the first time around the the shaved head guy yeah he he was like he's i think he's something in the front office for 76ers right now he's excellent at his job obviously but there's a scene where they he's briefing conor mcgregor to test him like what a reporter would say uh before the chad mendes fight and he's like all right excellent conor now what about this follow-up and like conor 
of course is like so media savvy my whole thing is like they're probably like yo dana uh you're gonna get ready for war when you step on that podium man i haven't seen him that fired up and like backed into a corner he's like i'm on a pandemic f jones f masvidal dude masvidal was on sports center in the middle of ufc 250 kenny main can't even like look in the camera dana white was just getting it from all angles and that's why i kind of think he is excellent at his job as jorge masvidal said his job is to protect the ufc's brand and to protect the ufc's dollars and i'm sure Ari Emanuel will probably be like pay jones pay masvidal and dana's like all right well okay he goes but i'm still the guy that's getting screamed at by media i think dana white if it comes another cyclical type of culmination of all these moons lining up israel adesanya say next time or henry cejudo comes back knocks somebody out he wants more if one of these like circumstances happen again i could see dana white just I can't see him being the guy forever is, is what I'm trying to get at. Not but, forever, but you know, there'll come the a time, but not in the next five years. What he needs to do now is engage ESPN in terms of financial commitment to putting on the best possible pay-per-view show because it's ESPN whose butts are on the line here. They're the ones that now are going to lose money or make money in regards to how many people purchase these pay-per-views so they they need to get involved even uh who was it did it was it connor that's that called out espn or masvidal one of the one of the major fighters you know said espn pay up they understand yeah it's uh so the original contract was for five years 1.5 billion and then they negotiated to get extra two years so i guess that makes it two billion if my math's correct so yeah i don't blame the fighters for wanting espn or ufc to pony up i understand dana white is the 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 messenger for ari emmanuel and all the ufc but do you think anything changes after this like i think connor and jones and masvidal will get paid right they can they're gonna work something out yeah uh, i can't see connor actually being retired nobody believes him no. obviously that's, that's why I don't want people to take the smoke screens. I'm like, there's still an issue with fighter pay. But what, what are you guys' thoughts of Gilbert Burns stepping up? Like, is this an issue? Aaron Hawani says these fighters need to stop being gun-ho. And he understands, and I understand, and I'm sure you guys understand, it's in their nature to be gun-ho. It's the, it's the style of the sport. But they have to look out financially. I mean, you saying Gilbert Burns, don't take a title shot. Don't improve the quality of your life. Don't essentially make pay-per-view points. It has to be Jorge Masvidal's spot. And it, it's tricky because we're not in Gilbert Burns' situation. Exactly. So is it kind of the fighter who's jumping in? Like, what was it? Darren Till jumping ahead of Colby Covington or Kamaru Usman to fight uh, Tyron Woodley? Like, that should have been Covington's fight. This should be Masvidal's fight. Jumping ahead, why would Burns care? He's getting the title shot. Talk about honor and, oh, <laughs> you know you're not good enough, so just step aside, you know. You're yeah. killed with Burns. You're fighting for the world championship. Yeah. And you're I, making a big payday. You're going out. You're going to be the main event of a pay-per-view. It's ridiculous. Plus, you just 
knocked out the you just destroyed the second greatest welterweight of all time <laughs> that's quotation what, what what you're saying you're based you're gonna admit oh i'm 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 not worthy to fight you Usman, I'm going to step aside and let a real contender. Who says that? This is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard come out of Nate Diaz's mouth, which is saying something. It's not the the 1400s anymore. You know, there's there's no honor in fighting. If somebody offers me a title shot, guess what? I'm taking it. Tomorrow, right, Andy? You're putting down the softball bat. You're jumping in the cage. That's a hefty payday. They gave 46-year-old Dan Henderson a title shot. He was ranked number 14 at the time. Nobody complained. Well, you're aging him and you're outranking him. I think it was 12 and I think he was 43. Whatever it was. <laughs> he, he was not the number one contender. No, let's put it that way. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh, man. It's crazy times. I mean, but then uh, and I think that, excuse me, I, I think that was MMA Fighting's podcast that they did. I think it was Damon Martin and Mike Heck they were talking about Gilbert Burns, like, this isn't your spot, basically. Ariel Hawani was hinting at, and guys, we got less than a minute, so just 20 seconds each real quick. Is this the perfect time to make Jorge Connor for the BMF title? Yes. I'm game. All right, boys. What do you guys got going on? How are you doing in the pandemic? Life's starting to get going. What's uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've clearly gotten out of the house lately, so. <laughs> I, finally, I finally went to a bar the other day. It was very nice. Get out. How, was it oh, outdoor gosh. seating? Yeah. All right, all right. You promised a side-by-side comparison with me with the beard, so I better see that in the post-production. Yes, yes. We'll, uh, we'll get that going. Get that going, guys. Yeah, they're working on it right now. Uh, James, real quick. I'm sorry. You are a Jersey guy? Yes. I thought because you went to WFU, FUV. Yeah, because that's yes, the name F-U-V. of the college. Yeah. Because <laughs> you went to Fordham. Uh, I thought you were a New York guy. So uh, we can no longer be friends now. I'm just oh, kidding. Boy. I'm just... <laughs> just... Yeah, you're going to have to live with it. Oh, boys, thank you for the time. Again, James Corrigan, no Brian uh, Fonseca, Andy Sukoff. Guys, love you guys. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you again for the time. Thank, thank you, Ike. There they were. Andy, James, guys, love you. Thanks again for the time. Maybe I'll shell out for some unlimited minute recording, but we do have time limits. And I don't want to talk to you guys forever. You know, I got things to do, like video games. I got to maybe, like, go for a jog or, you know, like, shower, maybe make some eggs. So I can't, like, work you guys fully into my whole day schedule, but maybe in the future. But I hope you guys enjoyed another Iktagon episode. Stay safe out there. Stay smart. Be careful with the word vigilant. You don't want to be uh, a death sentence type of vigilant. Batman is borderline vigilant, but just be smart in your efforts to change the world. And to the cops too, be smart, be safe, watch out because there are idiots and bad eggs in every group. So just hopefully everybody stays smart because the pen is mightier than the sword. See you guys later. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.